Hear the word of our Lord from Psalm number 14, beginning in the first verse. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Today, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know I don't honestly talk all that much about competing religions or competing worldviews here on the Very Lutheran Project, but this one has kind of been bugging me lately. Not that it's nearly the problem that it used to be or that it presented itself as, but atheism is still a thing. It is still absolutely a thing that, well, the Christian has to contend with, especially for us in the West, where not only does it seem to be the default worldly religion all around us, but in addition to that, the devil wants you to apostatize. And where you are in the West, whether that's the United States of America or Australia or the United Kingdom, wherever, Europe, the Americas, and Oceania, that's probably what your flesh tells you to go to. Whereas if you were a Christian in a country like Saudi Arabia or Syria or Iran, if you were tempted to apostatize from the Christian faith, what's the default option presented to you there? Islam. Everywhere in the world, everywhere there are Christians, it seems that the devil provides a kind of escape outlet, a release valve for those who want to get off the boat, so to speak. An escape hatch. But you got to escape somewhere. And where is that for the West? Well, it's atheism. Now, atheism has its problems, and it is not the only religion out there in the West. Lord knows we have invited everybody in the world to come and invite people to join them. You know, competing escape hatches in multicultural Western lands. But atheism is still the default. It's still the one that most people probably have some sort of phase in in their lives. Why? First off, let's look at what the psalmist says. He says in the first verse, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now that word fool in the Hebrew is Nabal or Nabal, however you pronounce it. It can mean literal fool, a senseless person. But it also has the connotation in Proverbs of being a moral fool, meaning somebody who does not respect God's way of going about things. It is somebody who is morally lacking. 
to be certain, there are terms like scoffer in Proverbs that kind of give us a little bit more of that moral side of things, but King David is using the term Nabal here to denote a moral senselessness. The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Now he does expand this. In verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. But in calling attention first to the atheist, to the God denier, he is telling us, yes, everybody is corrupt. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody is senseless in this fashion but especially so. First so. First prize goes to the atheist in the foolishness championships. At least that's the sense that I'm getting here from King David. Now, why would he say this? Why would King David call attention to a worldview that was in the extreme minority in his day? Just about everybody in the ancient Near East was some sort of believer in God or a bunch of gods or some other god, right? <laughs> Israel's neighbors, like the Philistines, had their Dagon and their Ea. The Assyrians worshipped Assur. The Babylonians worshipped Marduk. And they all had a bunch of other gods that they worshipped too. And in Israel during this time, if you were not a worshipper of the true God of the Bible you probably worshipped Ashtoreth, or Baal, or Molech, or Chemosh. Any number of these different gods that were trying to compete with the real god. You know, these demons presenting that escape hatch, that valve for somebody who got just a little too tired of the biblical god, of the real god. So atheism doesn't seem like it should have special attention here, but I guess there were a few of them, and David really wants to bring that to our attention. Now, some people might claim this is King David speaking against any religion that denies the existence of the God of the Bible, but I think we can reasonably ascertain with his use of the word Elohim in the sentence, there is no God, he uses the word Elohim there, it could be the name of God that we call Elohim. It could also just be gods in general. It, the idea central to this is a denial of God. That's it. That's the main thing here. He doesn't really give us in the text some condemnation of idols or a condemnation of false gods here. He's saying denying that God exists, period. So he's hammering against atheism. Why? Well, because he says that those who do so are corrupt and abominable and none of them do any good. How does that work? Don't you know an atheist friend of yours who maybe gives to a charity that is looking for the cure for cancer? Or don't you know that atheist out there who he wants earnestly to help out the poor and the homeless around him? I mean, even atheists can be faithful to their spouses or decent parents that raise their kids right. Why would the Bible then, knowing full well that the Bible encourages good works, 
why would King David and all of the scriptures condemn atheism as doing abominable deeds? No good whatsoever. Well, let's look here at the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This is going to be incredibly important for understanding biblical morality, Coram Deo, facing God. The writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 11, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That is incredibly important for us to understand. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It does not matter if on paper your deeds are correct. If you are doing something that is correct, but you have no faith in the actual judge of all correctness or incorrectness, your deed doesn't count. It doesn't matter to the Almighty. You're not doing it for him. You're not doing it because of him. It is not because you think it is the right thing to do informed by him. You're doing it for any number of motivations. So already King David on the moral question of atheism says, well, look, I'm not even going to bother with this hypothetical good atheist here. No, they're abominable. All their deeds are wicked. Even if it is the correct thing to do on paper, like not cheating on your wife, giving to charity, fighting for justice for the oppressed that are actually oppressed, doing all this right stuff does not really matter to God if you do not love him, care about him, or believe in him. Why would God? <laughs> Somebody might opine, well, that's not fair because I obeyed these rules whether or not I believed in God. So if your God exists, he's very unjust for me to obey him, however unwittingly, and for him to not give me credit for it. Really? So if you have somebody out there across the world that hates your guts, that doesn't care about you, and they do things that you morally approve of, are you going to give him an attaboy? Are you going to say, oh great, this guy that hates me did something that is commendable to me. I am going to reward him in whatever way that I can. Is the atheist really going to do that? No, of course not. Neither should God. Why expect a reward when you don't even have a relationship? Now I know the hypothetical reply here is, <laughs> I don't hate God. I simply don't believe in him. Sure, pal. Which is why Richard Dawkins goes on all these tirades against the God of the Bible and doesn't really talk about how much he hates the Yazidi faith, does he? He doesn't really talk about 
how much he is opposed to Sikhism or Hinduism. In fact, I'd say 99% of the atheists in the world really just hate on Christianity. Occasionally you get one that hates Islam, but most of them are very much afraid. Ever since the Charlie Hebdo incident, much of them are very afraid to criticize Islam whatsoever. Christianity has been, uh, unfortunately, something of a willing punching bag for a very long time. Until about 2017, or whenever the Fedora meme came out, uh, Christians weren't really willing to fight back fairly. They weren't fighting fire with fire, they were fighting fire with compassion and grace, and it always fell on deaf ears, and the only response given was... Um, not, oh, you Christians are so nice, it was just, oh, cool, now I can punch you even more. You are a doormat to me. When Christians decided that they didn't really have to be super nice to the atheists, they could do a bit of polemics and everything against atheism, then the playing field was a whole lot more fair, and new atheism more or less died as a movement. But let's, let's circle back to that point, though. Yes, if you're an atheist, you hate God. I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you think it's an intellectual reason. It is a hatred of God for many, 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 many reasons. Now, St. Paul in Romans 1, well, he says that not believing in God is really rebelling against the knowledge that you already have. It is a personal distaste for God. While David here is saying it comes out of wickedness. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Sometimes it comes out of hurt. Sometimes it does come out of pain. Usually when people run hard up against a real-world application of the problem of evil, they will be tempted to rebel against God and to rebel against everything he says because it's really hard to trust him when your baby dies. It's really hard to trust that God loves you after... Your girlfriend dumps you, you lose your job, you get those cancer results, etc., etc., and so on. But that kind of rebellion against God, the decision to not believe in him anymore because things did not go the way you want them to, or a tragedy occurs in your life, what does that really say? Because I've met countless people that stopped being Christians, stopped believing in God entirely, and of course they run off to atheism because that's the accepted escape hatch in the United States and in the West in general. What does that say about it? It says, God did not do what I wanted him to, therefore I abandon him. At its root, that is what that says. It is not a rational decision. I don't care what you say you think about science or rationality. It is an emotional decision to not trust God in the midst of your pain. That is at root what moral atheism or the moral decision to become an atheist is. It is a psychological one. But then there are others who another motivation for this for abandoning God and deciding even to hate him, whether that's a casual passive hate or an active, I hate Christianity. You know, they'll say they hate Christianity. What they mean is they hate the Christian God and all of his representatives here in the church. There is also a hedonistic element. 
because King David says that this is an issue of wickedness, not doing the right thing, the moral fool wants to do what God says not to. And, well, occasionally, more honest atheists, uh, they'll say, yeah, this was, I wanted to do sex, I wanted to fornicate, I wanted to play around with drugs, or you know what, this was a money thing for me. I, God telling me to tithe? What on earth are you on about? And why is God so angry at my pleasure? Why is God so angry at me doing what I want? Shouldn't he accept that? But that at its root says something similar to the person who becomes an atheist or decides on atheism if they never really fully stuck with one religion or another. It says the same thing as the atheist that becomes an atheist out of disgust for the Christian God. It says, I don't like this God very much because he does not have rules that I approve of. Still not a rational thing. Still a purely psychological, emotional decision on their part. It's also, like the moral atheist, a failure to trust in God. You are not trusting that his rules are there for your benefit, that he gave those rules to us because he loves us and wants us to do the right thing. So no matter how many times there are hideous, horrible consequences for, say, the sexual revolution, or terrible consequences from people overdosing on drugs or killing themselves from despair, oh, Despair is a big one. I recall Bertrand Russell saying that uh, atheism has to be based upon a firm foundation of unyielding despair. At the end of the day, yes, you don't want to trust this God with his actions, what he permits or what he does, and you don't want to trust the rules that he puts in place for us. I think it is honestly a lack of trust or a desire to do that which is not permitted that motivates a whole lot of people doing a hecking atheism. But at the same time, it is because there is another religion involved. This isn't solving the world's problems. I'm a crusader to fix the world, you see. And your God isn't doing that, and I must do it here. Now, oftentimes, they are angry that our Lord does not want to run the world they want to. See, these kinds of people want to be God, and they're mad that they're not God. They might believe in God if God did the things that they like, but, well, since he's not, they're going to make a God out of their political positions, and decide that that is what they are going to dedicate their life to. That is their real God. Now, atheism is absolutely a religion, but it's a religion with many denominations. I wish atheist movements would recognize that. <laughs> absolutely, it is a religion. Whether or not they want to admit it, it is a religion with many denominations. And oftentimes, as a religion, it will have its icons, and it will have its idols, it will have its chief gods, and... Today, with what's called Atheism Plus, the chief god of atheism is politics. Some sort of political leaning here that sees disbelief in the god of the Bible as a 
as a way to make room for and realize political goals. And with all of this said, what's the core of this? The core of it is, I am mad at God because he is not me. Because God is a personal being that makes his own decisions. I am upset that these are not my decisions, that he does not do what I want to do. Much in the same way the children of Israel in the wilderness were personally offended when there was no water at Massa and Meribah, saying, you brought us out of Egypt to slaughter us, didn't you? How could you do this, God? It is a refusal to trust in this God as someone who knows better than you. It is a decision and a desire to be your own God, to make your own decisions and to remake the world in your image. At least, that's how it usually shakes out. Now, there could be accusations that, well, no, this is because I was exposed to the truth in college. I was exposed to how things were when my professor told me, did you know that there were other religions? Did you know there's people with other moralities? And and I learned and I reread the Bible the way my professor told me to, and I realized how silly and foolish religion is. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to disagree with that. I think what happened is you met people who opposed your faith, and you did not know how to process it, and you got tired of feeling stupid. And it looked like everybody was having fun. You were tired of missing out. You were tired of trying to hold on to something that you were taught to believe in in your youth, and you were tired of being embarrassed and made fun of. You ran up against persecution for the first time in your life. The Bible promises persecution, but you weren't ready for it. You weren't expecting it. And in the midst of this, you felt terrible. So you eventually just abandoned it for what you wanted to do. I believe that's what really, really happened there. People get tired of being called stupid. People get tired of being treated like an idiot. People get tired of seeing others having fun, looking like they have no problems whatsoever. And so they join the crowd. They join the crowd to, to not feel like they're the whipping boy in the middle of the circle here. Nobody wants to be the, uh, the main player in a game of beat on the brat, right? But have you considered that maybe you were conned? Maybe you're a sucker. Maybe, dare I say it, you were a fool. You were foolish to give up your faith. Let's face it. Companies, the big companies that run the world right now, <laughs> they don't want you being a Christian. Christians do things like personal discipline. Christians aren't very good consumers when they are devout Christians. When they're being consistent Christians, they're not in a flurry of buying everything. But an atheist is more pliable. Advertisement works better on them because, after all, you only have one life to live. Oh, the companies want you being an atheist. Your leftist professor, he wanted you to be an atheist. Why do you think he attacked your faith? Why do you think he took the time out of his day, his busy day, to attack you for being a Christian? To mock you? To berate you? Do you think maybe he had a vested interest in disabusing you of that silly religion that you grew up with? Don't you think that maybe there was a point to it? 
After all, whole lot of professors out there are atheists of the political variety. And Christians, well, they hold on to their guns and their religion. At least that's how these professors think. They think of Christians as backwards or Republican voting bigots. And we need to make less of them in the world. God forbid a Christian get a college degree and have exactly what he wants out of it, right? Mm-mm, nope. We gotta make this guy more usable to my movement as a college professor. So we're gonna use college here as a recruiting ground, as training camp, to make him into a good little soldier of my ideology. Isn't that how it shakes out? Don't you think you've been conned? You were tired of feeling stupid. And you were tired of hearing words that are so eerily similar to what the serpent in the garden said. Hey, like, look, Christianity is like a lie, okay? It's a con. You got tricked. You were tricked into following some brainwashing campaign by pastors that only want money. Spoiler alert, pastors don't really make much money if they're actual pastors. I don't care how much Joel Osteen makes, your average pastor of some tiny community church is lucky if he makes 40 grand a year, okay? I've never made much any money off of this. I've spent over a year making just about $1,000 a month as a pastor, so don't tell me this is about greed. But you listen to people say that that was the case. You listen to people tell you you were a sucker for being a Christian, that they were holding back on the real truth and the real facts of life and the real fun, the real enjoyment of everything. And in the process, they were willing to convince you to give up a treasure that leads to eternal life. If you're a bajillionaire, if you're Bill Stinkin' Gates or Jeff Stinkin' Bezos, and you have more money than you could spend in your entire life, you could spend every day spending a million dollars and still be rich by the time you're dead. If you're that guy, do you give that up because somebody has a really, really shiny coin for you? Do you pay your Elon Musk levels of money? Because somebody told you that actually all that money is fake fiat currency, so just, just give that money to me instead, or you know, just better yet, throw it in a fire. <laughs> because that's not real after all. That's what happens when somebody convinces you to leave Christianity for atheism. Whether it's for pleasure, or whether it's because they're so much smarter than you. They're trying to con you into giving up eternal life. Freedom from all sickness, from all sorrow, the healing of all of your wounds, because Christ suffered those wounds first, before you, on your behalf. A God that actually loves you and cares for you, and a lifestyle that is healthy for you, that is good for you, that leads to better communities, better friends. That leads to a better way of living your life. Not an easy life. By all means, Christianity in our lifestyle is simple, but it is hard. Sure, what life isn't. But would you really give that up? Because somebody made you feel stupid or told you that, well, your pee-pee is going to feel better? For, as, what, 20, 30, 40 years before, uh, before it doesn't work like it used to and you need these little blue pills? Are you really going to trade in? eternal life for 40 years of fun and feeling superior to a bunch of idiot, redneck, uneducated, ignorant, bigot Christians? 
That's how it seems to shake out with a lot of this stuff. The psychology of atheism is really a, just a study in foolishness. And it's a tragedy because people were suckered into this en masse before Christians were willing to start fighting back and doing a bit of good old-fashioned polemics against it. But I'm here to tell you, if anybody listening to this is an atheist or a skeptic, you know just as well as I do, there's no real intellectual basis for your faith. For your atheist faith, there's none. It requires more faith than mine does. You say that I'm relying on a 2,000-year-old book written by a bunch of rando dudes that I don't know, and that I'm trusting those guys so my big daddy god in the sky can take me to heaven and give me a new better body. You can say that's silly all you want. You're doing the same stinking thing. You're doing the same thing, and they tricked you into thinking you weren't. Oh, my science, my evolution, you're going to trust a bunch of dead guys to tell you that you came from monkeys way back in the day? Oh, you're trusting them. And you're trusting that they were honest. You're putting your faith in these guys. And you're putting your faith in science even after the horrible consequences of the replicability crisis in scientific establishments today. You don't personally go and do every experiment yourself to verify it, do you? You're trusting a bunch of people that you don't know. At least I have their names when it comes to the Bible. I got the names of most of the authors there for the books I read. And you're trusting these people to tell you your life doesn't matter. Go maybe have fun or suck up as much money as you can. Because when you die, that's it. Period. That's who you're going to put your faith in? You're going to put your faith in that kind of ideology? <laughs> that's a crappy religion. I'm not sorry either. That's a garbage can religion that says... I'm going to give you freedom so long as you don't violate my morality. Remember, a whole lot of that woke cancel culture mob stuff is atheist. So, um, so free yourself from Bible morality and adhere yourself to the morality of somebody else that tells you what's right and wrong. Um, or else, uh, you know, you're a bad person and you need to be fired. That's a crappy religion. And guess what? Don't think that it's going to be the same morality of progress and everything like that because in other countries where there is a majority of atheism, they do not share the same morality as you. This religion conned you. It really did. It conned you to make you a better consumer, to be a better political operative, to get you to vote the right way, to think the right way, to need uh, just those the right kind of things that make you dependent on a system so that you vote for them. Because see, if you're sexually liberated and suddenly you find yourself with a baby that you can't take care of, either you give profits to Planned Parenthood or uh, you find yourself dependent on welfare. Call me cynical, but I am convinced that in this world today, everybody is out to use you. To use you, to benefit from you, and not in the standard way of a cooperative society. They're out there to make you the product. To make you the pay piggy that funds their society the way they want to run things. And they don't want you to be a Christian because they believe that that's going to gum it up. Or, at the very least, they want you to be some sort of... Uh, liberal, half-hearted Christian that doesn't really believe what the scriptures teach or has 
screwed up his brain enough to think that the Bible means everything that the world means and wants today. With a nice Western neoliberal morality, right? That seems to be the way it shakes out. But either way, I want to warn you, don't let yourself get conned. And if you're not a believer right now, don't let yourself get conned anymore. God offers you eternal life. Literally no religion offers you a better deal than what Christianity offers. And you know there's proof everywhere. Absolutely. There has been 2,000 years of good, solid Christian apologetics developing and answering all the questions you have. And if you're not willing to look this stuff up, you can go to a pastor who will be more than happy to answer your questions. And if they're not, email me, very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. I am willing to answer any and all questions you have. Don't let yourself be a sucker anymore. All right, guys, I hope you all have a great Monday. I know that I have a lot to look forward to today. God has given me another week to live, and I hope that he makes me, well, not everybody's problem, but a solution to them. Amen and amen.